face I hear you zooming But I can't come pod right now Cause me and the boys are shitting And these things are the size of a cow's Just a few more hours And our shitting will be through I think we found some corn here Mace, you'd love this poo. Bum, bum. Mace, you'd love this poo. You say you feel so pissed off, and otherwise you're bored. Cause I'm always shitting out, and you're ready to record. Just a few more hours. And our shitting will be through I think we found some peanuts Oh Mace, you'd love this poo Mace, you'd love this poo Long instrumental break right here I know you're lonely, but I hope you'll be all right. Cause me and the boys will be shitting all Thank you, Cleveland. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you, Thank you LA. Yes. Uh, yes. Pissed off and bored. Definitely my two primary emotions. That's not necessarily <laughs> true, but it is. Well, it's when not I'm not true. It is. It's that. Yeah, and shitting actually. Shitting might be my number one emotion at at, uh, well, at the end of the day. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Go do some shitting with. The All right, boys. so it's a, it's so it's just a solo bolo mace pod right now. So I'm just gonna be talking about the subjects today while you go shit for an hour and a half. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> You'll shit for the okay. entire runtime of Venom. Let there be carnage. See ya. <laughs> okay. See later. you. Go. See Bye. ya. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. He's gone. Okay. So now it's it's my turn to podcast. I'm so excited. Uh, oh, no. I'm just kidding. I would never subject the listeners to something so foul <laughs> as you doing the entire show by yourself. Um, but I did sort of do a little bit of a Joker's trick on you in a way. Yeah, you did, actually. Because you asked me a couple days ago what uh, for some for some inspiration on, um, on uh, what song to parody for this week and uh beth by kiss was actually not one of them (laughs) that i provide offered to you but i will say i i appreciate the kind of little switcheroo that you did there i think that that was really well 
really cool. To be honest with you, uh, thank you, first and foremost. Thanks. Thank you, Mason. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, is I was stuck for a second. I was mm. legitimately like, oh, I don't know what song to do. But then I was out and about, running errands, doing my stupid shit, you mm. know. As you as people have a tendency to do these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, People oh, do be it. running errands, though. Hey, people be running errands. People, you gotta go to fucking Pasadena, <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond, because you need a little pillow for your bed, because you don't have enough pillows for your bed. So you have to go all the way to Pasadena. And I'm not pissed. I'm just saying that's what You're you do You're not Pistadina? So, that's... Okay, <laughs> good one. So, okay, good one. Um... But I was like doing my shit, and I was like, "Oh, Mace instead yes. of Beth by Kiss." Mm. Second Kiss song in a row. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I got no problems with that at all. Uh, my roommate mm-hmm. and our friend of this show, mm-hmm. Kelly Cripe. Hey, they just saw Kiss in Irvine, California. Oh, how was that show? I didn't go. <laughs> so well, did you no hear how the idea. show was? Did you talk about the show at all? That's more what I'm asking. Yeah. Uh, I said, how was the show? And he said it was really cool. <laughs> that was it. Did they bring but out that guy that got buried in the Kiss coffin? Did they bring out the Kiss no, coffin? Oh, you didn't know about this? Some guy got buried in a Kiss coffin. Like just a coffin that had <laughs> Kiss on it and the members of Kiss. Okay. No, I don't think they did bring that guy Uh-oh. out at the show. Sounds like he died. <laughs> well, yeah, so but it's like, you know, they can out. still bring out that coffin. Fucking digging up a grave, just absolutely unleashing the spirits of the graveyard upon the Kiss show in Irvine, California. Yeah, why not? Just curse everybody. Just curse anyone that's going to a Kiss show. You know, no disrespect to our fr- to your roommate and our friend uh, Kelly Cripe, but uh, sometimes you just got to go to a cursed show. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's actually an episode of Family Guy where they unleash a Native American spirit onto the house and they basically do Poltergeist. I think I watched that after I saw Poltergeist uh, during Halloween season <laughs> last year, actually. I think we watched that episode. My friends and I watched that episode. Or we watched the American Dad episode that has the same, that has a, nope. a Poltergeist plot Can't to do it. that. Can't do the American Dad one. Well, if well, I they didn't listen to my protestations. They didn't hear me say uh, this is going to piss off my friend Noah, and he will beat my ass over Zoom if I watch this and tell him I'm watching this. Isn't that the, the last Wesley one. Willis song that he recorded? Noah beat Mason's ass over Zoom. <laughs> Noah beat Mason's Family Guy happy ass on Zoom. Chicago legend. Chicago legend, truly Chicago's Chicago's very own Wesley Willis. Truly, one he he should be um in our in our Hall of Fame if there is one. Uh, just I I want to just like go down to a red line track or something and see a plaque for for Wesley Willis. That would be really really tight. But I don't think that the city's on top of that that just yet. One day though, one day. They're a bunch of lib cucks. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I'm the biggest one of all. I wasn't going to say anything. You do live in the most leftist neighborhood in all of Chicago, Logan Square. So, yeah. Because you live there. Right, <laughs> right, right. When I moved in to this neighborhood a year ago, uh, you know, before just 
Trump sign after Trump sign uh, after, uh, you know, stop the steal sign. Before it e- the steal even happened, they were getting ready for it. They were getting ready for it. It was actually a, it. It was a progressively Republican neighborhood. They were already on the stop the steal bullshit before the election. Pretty cool. Just nothing but Q signs in the windows on uh, Spalding Don't Avenue. Don't tread on me signs. Yeah, 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 you know. But once I moved in. They're like, oh, wait a minute. We got to put an end to this. Otherwise, he's just going to roast us online to his his thousands of followers and his, his 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 podcast. We can't have a podcaster in Logan Square. No way. Yeah, you're probably the first one ever. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't want to check on that, well, but I think so. Well, when you and I, when I came to visit you in Chicago, we did knock on every single door and say, does a podcaster live here? Thank God, no. So yeah. you are the only one verified mm-hmm. by us. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm the, only one in, uh, I'm the only one in L.A., so kind of works out. Right, right. Except for uh, Paul Shear. Your close welcome to um, <laughs> Welcome to It's On The List with Noah and Mason. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Dingle Dog McGee, Noah Marger, here as always with, with my with my friend, who's looking so fresh, so clean these days, Scribble Dap McGuire. Mason, what's up? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's your boy, Mr. Taco Bell Spicy Potato Hot Soft Taco, once again on the podcast screens here. Uh, I did shave for the first time. My one, I, I, sha- I, I let my hair and my beard grow out for about eight weeks, and then I get tired of scratching it, and then you just basically shave the whole thing off except for a mustache. So we got mustache mace today on Monday, September 13th. Who knows what the situation will be like when this episode drops on Friday, September 18th? Is that true? Let's 17th? I don't know. Seven, 17th. 17th. I should check on that. Here's the thing. Here's been what's up with me. So, uh, you know, Noah, and people that follow me on Instagram know that I had a long music weekend this past weekend. That's true. I went up to... You did. I took the Amtrak up to Milwaukee. I took the Hiawatha line. Great, quick trip, about an hour and a half, kind of from Union Station to Milwaukee Intermodal Station. Went to Summerfest. I saw Wilco for the second time this summer, and they put on a hell of a show. It was a little, uh, maybe it was just because I was a little closer to the stage, just given that it was Summerfest rather than Millennium Park, but it was a much looser uh, show, a little more casual. Uh, The band seemed to be having, I think, just a slightly better time. Uh, But then I got right back on a train and made it down to um, uh, uh, Pitchfork Music Festival for the last part of the day on Saturday. Uh, And I was, uh, I... The, the trip to Pitchfork, unfortunately, stressed me out a lot because yeah. I set a timetable for myself, not checking the schedule or anything with the trains or whatever, and I uh, get on the train. I get on the blue line. I'm like, great. I'm making good time. I'm going to be down there in time to see Waxahachie from the top of their set, but yep. there was construction on the blue line and between oh. Clark and Lake and Damon... Both lines of the blue line were on one track, and I was so stressed out, and my phone was close to dying, so I couldn't put on any relaxing music, and there would just be people talking, and uh, it was very overwhelming, so I just sat with my headphones in, not playing anything, and my hands over my ears like I'm Larry David at New York Fashion Week (laughs) until I got home. But you know what? I made it towards the end of 
Wax the Hatchies set. I saw Ty Seagal absolutely uh, rip uh, the fucking stage up. And I got to see, uh, I was very close for Saint for Angel Olsen's performance. I got to see St. Vincent for the third time. And I ended up having a very nice time. I did have a friend of the show, friend of the pod, Adam Cash, came in clutch with some after-party tickets. Um, Let's go, baby. But I was so um, dog-tired. I was so funny-talking dog-tired by the end yeah. of that day that I was just like... I gotta go well, home and watch Family Guy. I gotta, yeah, I gotta go home. I gotta get a, a veggie dog from Victory Grill. I gotta see some guys completely chew out the staff at Victory Grill. But uh, I came back. I watched um, some Curb. Speaking of Larry David, and then I fell asleep. And the next day, Sunday, yesterday, I saw the Card Counter. Noah, I saw the Card Counter with Oscar Damn. Isaac, directed by Paul okay. Schrader. Have you seen that yet? Wow. Are you? Do you have any plans to? Uh, yes, I do have plans to see it. I have not seen it yet. What did I see this weekend? Oh, I had a little not as crazy excursion. First of all, it sounds like you had a great weekend. Mason. I did have I a great weekend. It was a lot of fun. I'm I'm still kind of tired from it, but it was a nice time. It was a good weekend. Uh, was that your first time in Milwaukee or no? Uh, first time in a while and kind of first time like on my own volition, basically. Uh, I've gone yeah. up with like family before. I've gone up. I went up uh, kind of to do this basically the same exact trip just because Milwaukee's like so close to Chicago to see. Uh, I went up with my sister and uh, a friend of ours to see uh, Bob's Burgers live when that came through town. And that was a lot of oh, fun, wow. actually. Um, but I got family up in Milwaukee now, so I got to see them, and it was really, and I got to stay with them, and it was really, really nice. I Anyways. love Milwaukee. I you think do. that it was one of the most, I was so surprised how much I loved it when I was doing my little trip uh, earlier this year. Uh, definitely. I don't want to say the most surprising city that I went to in terms of my enjoyment, but one of them, for damn sure. I would love to go back. Mm-hmm. I would love, love, love to go back. You and I might have to take the damn Amtrak up from Chicago. It's so it's, damn close, Mason. It's $50 round trip on the Amtrak. Fucking incredible. Um, but all to say, I had a little... I don't want... It wasn't as crazy of an adventure, but yesterday, I, I, bro- I popped my Marx Brothers cherry... Mason. Rock and roll. Uh, okay. You know I love those cra- I, those crazy brothers. Those four pieces of shit. I saw them hey. on the big screen. I, can you shut the fuck up while I'm talking for once? For fucking once? Trying to tell the audience about my fucking popping my Marx Brothers cherry, and you're like, don't say that about them. They're fucking dead. They don't give a shit. Can you shut up? Can you shut up? Anyway. Uh, had a lovely time with our friend Chris Chalakian, uh, friend of the show. Our friend Chris Chalakian. He and I saw a double feature at the Los Feliz Three every Sunday. Uh, they're doing black and white movies uh, in the afternoon. So Sunday matinees of black and white mm. films. This was presented by Scott Alexander, mm-hmm. who is one half of the writing duo partner with Larry Karaszewski, who did uh, Dolomite Is My Name, Ed Wood, People a lot of Larry other different Flint. stuff. Yes, People vs. Larry Flint. Uh, he talked for way too fucking long about the movie, and like as someone who had never seen Horse Feathers or Duck Soup, which were the two Marx Brothers films being shown, uh, or any Marx Brothers for that matter, he basically like said, like it was kind of like he was coming on this podcast and was like, oh, remember the part where this happens? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone in the audience was like, yes! <laughs> yes, that part is so good! And I'm sitting there, and I'm just sitting there like... <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, you I know. I never should have smoked knowing. that shit. Now I'm the only person at the afternoon matinee for horse feathers and duck soup that hasn't seen horse feathers or duck soup. <laughs> that was basically it, dude. That was literally it. And even Chris was like looking at me like he's fucking ruining this. <laughs> he's fucking spoiling this shit. And uh, he's like, you know, huge Marx Brothers guy. Duck Soup's probably his favorite movie of all time. Uh, and he was like, he should, shouldn't have done this. And I agree with what he said, with what Chris said also, where they definitely should have played Duck Soup first, since that is sort of the the big one, That so is the, That should be the A picture in that double bill, bill, certainly. Yeah, I don't know why they did Horse Feathers first. But I enjoyed both, to be honest with you. I was nice. a little unsure how I was gonna how I was gonna react. I definitely was definitely worn out by the time we got like halfway through Duck Soup because those movies are just nonstop jokes, you know, mm. like literally a mile a minute. But I was having a good time. Uh that's that's what I did instead of seeing the card counter, but planning on it, Mason. Okay? Cool. Yep. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to the show, everyone. I think that's going to do it for this week. A little short episode. Hey, a little short episode. No, yeah, a little shorty. A little shorty coming in. You're, you're just... <laughs> About an hour shorter than every other episode. I really think yeah, the audience would like it if we talked for an hour less every week. <laughs> I agree. They would like it if we talked. For, they would literally love it if we stopped the show right now. <laughs> entirely is what they would love. Yeah, just Sopranos finale style where just don't stop. Anyway, so we, we, got, we got some shit to talk about today, Mason. Is that fair to say? That's very fair to say. Okay. We got an album and we got a movie. This is a Noah's Pick album. Technically, a mm-hmm. Mason's Pick movie. But we'll get to that when we get to the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Noah's Pick album. Let's just fucking get... Hey, let's just get into this shit. Sure, yeah. Sitting by the Road. By Blaze mm-hmm. Foley, technically from 2010, but more correctly, the mid to late 70s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just It's one of those, like, uh, yeah, because uh, not to get too ahead of the discussion here, but uh, he, he, he'd been dead for a little bit before that point. He'd been, uh, he'd been a dead guy, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, he's a dead guy. Uh, but technically, the album was released in 2010, but it was one of those lost sort of recording situations that it was recorded in the mid to late 70s. We're not 100% sure when. Mason, mm-hmm. I I Jokers tricked you a little bit also with this mm-hmm. this week because this was not my original pick, uh, but I will bring that album on eventually. I'm not going to say what it is. It'll be a surprise when it comes on the show. Uh, but what's your history with Blaze Foley, if any? Uh, Discover Weekly Band, Los An- or Act, I should say, Los Angeles. I think it was probably, uh, it was probably Clay Pigeons in around 2016 that that popped in my, um, popped up on a uh, playlist or something that I was listening to. And I like that song a hell of a lot. And I think, I, I can't recall if I listened to the full album, but I feel like I definitely listened to some other Blaze Foley stuff. Like on Spotify, they have a live album of his on there. Uh, because I think that he, um, uh, well, I will save that for the discussion, but is this, this struck me as sort of a newer guy to you, um, which is why I feel like you had to, to pull the emergency break and change the, change the topic of discussion this week. So what's your, what's your history 
with Mr. Foley here. Uh, it was the live album, the live at the Austin Outhouse? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so kind of a new, kind of a new guy, new in the, new in the grand scheme of things, but not like brand spanking new. Um, so the first time I ever heard of Blaze Foley was not within the context of his music itself, but actually the A24 podcast. You ever listen to the A24 podcast? When there's like guests, uh, that I, that I'm interested in hearing talk, um, I, it's not a every single episode thing. I think like... Really, the only episode of that show that I, I I've heard the uh, 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 the Nathan Fielder and um, what's Alexa her name? Demi. Yeah, and you turned me on to that one. That was a good episode. Uh, and then the uh, Joanna Hogg Martin Scorsese discussion that preceded the the release of the Souvenir. Uh, I listened yes. to, uh, and that put me onto uh, the Souvenir. But those are like that's. I'm not a sou- like not, I'm not a big. Have A20- you not listened? Huh? Have you not listened to the PTA Safety Brothers one? Uh, no. That's you gotta listen to that one. That one's fucking awesome. If I have time for it. Okay, just say, just say, yep, it's on my list. <laughs> just say, yep, it's on my list. All right, if uh, I have time for it. Yep. Okay. Uh, so I listened to the A twenty four podcast with Alia Shakat and Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke had just directed a movie about Blaze Foley called Blaze and was mm-hmm. doing some sort of promo for it. I had never heard of Blaze Foley before. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy that he's talking about? But he seemed to have a big love for this guy. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I got to check this out. And I forgot about it entirely. But I was like, okay, Blaze Foley. That name is sort of now in, in my brain, whether I do anything with it or not. That was in 2018 when the episode came out. That was the summer of 2018 between my junior and senior year of college. Mm-hmm. And then, maybe March or April of this year, Michael Sarah's version of Clay Pigeons comes on my Discover Weekly. And I'm like, this is a cool song. Didn't know Michael Sarah did music. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. So I checked it out, and I was like, damn, that's crazy he put out an album. Not like the album that much, but his version of Clay Pigeons I actually really like. And I kind of just was in my rotation. And then I realized, oh, when I was like looking up the lyrics or whatever, he's, this is not an original song. This is a cover of Clay Pigeons. And I saw that John Prine had a version of it. And I also saw that Blaze Foley had a cover of it. And I was like, or the version of it, I should say, not a cover. He had the version of it, basically. And I was like, well, guess we got to go listen to that. So I went to listen to it. And I was like, damn, this song is amazing. This is like a month or two before I'm, this is like me gearing up to go on my trip too and like getting ready for that. So I'm very much in the like traveling mindset. And I think that the music of blaze Foley really like suits that sort of like wandering spirit, sort of just Mm -hmm. like big, like, you know, there's a big world out there type of energy. And so I just listened to his album sitting by the road a lot then, because I was like, this is like very much my, mood at the current moment. I'm really excited for this trip I'm out to take. I'm really gearing up for it. Wow, he's got a lot of good songs on this thing. And I pretty much listen to it gearing up, you know, every week, listening listening to this album for the trip. Uh, and then I kind of forgot about it as I was on the trip, listening to podcasts, listening to new stuff, keeping myself occupied in the car. And then we were getting ready to do this episode, and I'm doing my walk in my little walk spot that I have. Uh, sort of figured out now. Which is in your bathroom from one wall to the other, just... 
<laughs> just destroying the bathroom every single fucking day. Having yeah, like yeah, yeah. Up. Just, just there's just like a big um, uh, uh, kind of moat looking thing there uh, where you've just run run that into the ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. That's not a lie. That's actually the truth. No, and I know. So you, you, I, you send me pictures when you're doing that walk, and I just thought that the yeah. audience had to know. Well, I, then I'm taking a big shit. In yeah, the, you're in not wearing room. pants in any of these pictures that you're sending me. And <laughs> I, I tell you to not not do that, but you don't listen to me, so it's okay. Yeah, I don't respect your uh, boundaries. And so I was like, all right, I'm doing my walk or whatever, and I look, you know, picked up my phone to check Twitter at one point during the walk. Mm-hmm. And an uh, account that I follow, who, very funny account, at Leno Killer Thomas on Twitter, uh, not our friend Thomas, but a different Thomas, mm-hmm. posted "If I Could Only Fly," which is the last song on this album, and I was like, "Oh fuck, that's a great song." I haven't listened to that song in a hot minute. I should listen to it. And you know, I had just moved back to LA. You know, basically two weeks or less from when I had this moment, feeling you know, confused, feeling homesick, feeling you know all those things, feeling like I'm you know, far away from lots of different things. And I was like putting this on and I was just like, got to fucking talk about this on the show. I got to swap out this album for the album that I had picked previously. I was feeling so emotional about it. So that's why I brought it to the show. He's being coy about it, but the album we were going to talk about was Donda. (laughs) It was Donda. And I was like, this is not, we can't do this. We got to talk about Blaze Foley instead. Donda's pretty good. And so I was like, we got to talk about Sitting by the Road instead. This song is amazing. This whole album is amazing. And I would actually argue, Mason, mm-hmm. this passes the Maguire sniff. Uh, every song is good. <laughs> this passes the big Maguire sniff test. Every song on this album is good. I have favorites that aren't, you know, certain songs and like certain songs rise above. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's a bad apple in this bunch what do you think i would agree with that this album and all these songs here uh are just they're very easy just to like um just to digest they're very they're very easy to listen to uh it's just him and a guitar basically and and blaze foley if you're not familiar with him has this like awesome like deep baritone voice um that just uh it's a nice companion to have you. Similarly to you, the first time that I listened to it for this episode, I did on my return trip to Chicago, um, like in the oh, last, nice. yeah, and like the kind of the last 45 minutes from um, Milwaukee to Chicago, just because like, like I said, you know, I'd heard, I can't recall if I'd heard this album all the way through. It's one of those, you know, it's one of those albums, one of those musicians that like just kind of, you know, I was big into songs and playlists and individual just like kind of, tracks when and when I was in LA and just like driving around not more of like vibes and stuff like that not as much as seeing the full albums unless it was uh, with with some with some exceptions I, I I would assume but in any case I knew that this album would be something that would really help me come back home you know um, sure you know and that's really what I was gearing it up for uh and I'm with you man you know like I think kind of even you know even by track four or five I'm like this is pretty much like the passing the McGuire test for me right now, you know? Um, sure. Especially when I saw, I wasn't familiar with the song slow boat to China. And I was like, okay, it's nice that he has like kind of an, a tr- an album of all originals here. And he's going to just slot in one standard. I think that you can do, if he wants to do that, that's his right. But wouldn't you know it, he pulled a little trick on us and that's an original yep. song he wrote called slow boat to China. And right. 
Yeah, I'm just I I really uh, I really admire this album, you know, and I really admire it for its um, simplicity and for its kind of spirit, you know, and the spirit that Blaze has. And it is unfortunate that he was uh, tragically killed. Uh, I think 30, 31 or thirty two years ago. Now he was killed in eighty nine. Uh, unfortunately, kind of before his and this like this and some other stuff uh, is really all that exists of his work, but. It's just like a testament to how good his songwriting is that he has like, you know, Clay Pigeons is like over has over seven million streams on Spotify. You know, like it's it's something that well, how like give me some more of your thoughts, because uh, I'm either I'm going to get right in front of my way and what I actually mean here. But um, uh, what, what do you think about this album? Like you said, it passes the McGuire sniff test, but like what are some of your favorite tracks then? Um, well, just to, just to sort of hop on something you had said before, before I get into my favorite tracks in popular music or, you know, music that, you know, breaks through to the mainstream in some regard, whether it's Olivia Rodrigo or, you know, Bob Dylan or whatever, you don't hear a lot of baritone bass voices in music a lot of the time, especially from lead people. It's usually... You know, and I know country is sort of its its own thing, and you can sort of get away with it a little bit more in country, but you don't hear the deeper voices leading the charge most of the time. Right. Uh, and I have a little bit of a deeper voice when I sing. I can't hit those high notes as much. I'm definitely more in the baritone bass realm than I am the tenor realm. So whenever I hear someone with a lower register really just bring it at home, I feel very happy that there's a little bit of low voice representation going yeah. on. So even as just for myself, I'm just like, hell yeah, we got a low voice man leading the charge, singing these beautiful songs. Um, and there's so much heartache in this music. There's so much uncertainty in the lyrics. There's so much love in these lyrics and there's so much love in his voice. You know, it feels like you're coming, it's coming from such an authentic place. You know, he was a, Vagrant, I guess you could say he was a wanderer. He was basically died penniless, more mm. or less. You know, just one of those kind of guys. We'll get into it in the in the fast facts section more specifically. But like, you know, it's really sad to think about the fact that he was one of those classic examples of a guy who didn't achieve any sort of real recognition on any mainstream level until he died. You know, right? Yeah, he did have like his contemporary. Like, I wasn't. I think that uh, the algorithm dropped Blaze fully into my lab around the time when I was listening to a lot of, like, Towns Van Zant, who I got to through sure. Jason Molina, you know? And Towns was a um, a contemporary and a friend of, of Blaze, as, as, as far as I can tell. Um, but you're right. He was a guy that was respected by just, like, kind of his peers and his scene. And I think only in the last couple of years kind of found a wider audience for it. And whenever that shit happens, it just it does kind of make me a little sad because it's like uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, had Blaze Foley not uh, had, you know, the end that he had when he had it. I think it's fairly reasonable to think that he would have had like some sort of late career. I agree. Glow 100%. up thing. You know, um, I kind of same, I think, with like Jason Molina, if he didn't unfortunately pass away at a, at a young age from, you know, his his uh, his vices, basically his his demons getting a hold of him. Um, but in the case of Blaze Foley, you know, I think that 
like the strength of these songs um, and the fact that he Clay Pigeons were covered was covered by like John Prine and Michael Sarah of all people just leads me to believe that like if he uh, uh, there could have been like some alternate universe where he's still around and he's, you know, a song, a singer songwriter and like kind of absolutely, you know, showing up on um you know, just kind of showing up on, like, I don't know, Austin City Limits or something. Like, I'm not even terribly familiar. I don't know if that's an appropriate sort of place to put him. But in, in any case, you know, like, um, I got really, you know, sometimes, and like I said last week, sometimes I could be a little stinker when you suggest things that I am familiar with just because I like to find new things and I like to watch new things and just kind of go about that for, for the show here. But I was so excited when you suggested this just because, like, and uh, just because, just because, like, um, I think Clay Pigeons would certainly be on like a short list of, I don't know, maybe fifty to a hundred songs that I would just want with me on a desert island, you know? Sure. Uh, yeah. It 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 really and each time that I I listened to you know the album twice, like I like I always do for the show, but just kept going back to listening to, to Clay Pigeons because it really is like just kind of all uh in its alchemy and in, in its alchemy and just like in its spirit like something that just always 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 has and i think will will resonate with me because there's this like it's one of the best songs i think written about like kind of loneliness and like the kind of recursive nature of loneliness where you just like get yourself into these cycles and these kind of comfort cycles trying to make yourself feel better and maybe you know like what you're doing is sort of like a futile attempt to uh, comfort yourself or get some kind of like routine to get you out of this funk or something. Um, but you can't help but doing it. You know, it's, it's, it's unlike a lot of any other song on the subject of loneliness I can think of. And it just always, it feels like a hug, you know? Um, I, I, I just, I just, I just adore that song so much. And it was nice to, I guess, have an excuse to listen to it again, aside from just, when I need to listen to it again, you know? Yeah. The, 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 the authentic voice here is something of a guy who clearly had a very challenging life. A guy who clearly had a lot of uphill battles artistically, just, you know, on a personal level. And there's so much pain and heartache in these Mm -hmm. songs uh, and the one that really stood out for me this time is "If I Could Only Fly." It's sort of the one that yeah that got was... me got me back to this album in the first yeah. place, and what made me switch it up here for the show. Uh, it's just like a it's like poetry. I mean, straight up, it is the way that he can shift the meaning of lyrics just by these very small word changes and these very small like positing of ideas in these very dense and, sh- like, short ways. It's, like, nothing short of genius and nothing short of, like, a miracle to me. You know, these songs mm-hmm. are so condensed and so purposeful and have so much heartache in the voice and the writing. It's 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 criminal to me that this guy is not, you know, talked about on a large scale as, like, one of the greatest songwriters and one of the greatest country artists to ever do it. Um to me, my favorite tracks on this are Big Cheeseburgers and Good French Fries. The first yeah. track, I think it's just fun. He's just having a good time. He's plucking along. He's he's strumming. Uh, he's talking about just, I would love to eat that, you know? That's what sounds good to me right now. There's some comfort in that, you know? Yeah, that does fucking sound good. 
Uh, Clay Pigeons, of course, is probably the signature track from Blaze Foley, if not, you know, this album, but definitely this album, if not him. Uh, and it's just so beautiful, you know, that wandering feeling, that, you know, moving around, that life on the road type shit, just trying to find a place to call home uh, is beautiful, you know, and it's hard to describe in words, but it's one of those ones you just got to hear. Uh, Let Me Ride in Your Big Cadillac, another just fun one. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, he's just like, man, it'd be so fun for even just for a day or just for a moment if I could ride around in like a cool ass car. You know, if I just had like something that wasn't, the fucking bus or walking to get me around, you know, just so that I can yeah. have a little bit of like comfort and a little bit of like showmanship in my life, something to be proud of in a material way. It's beautiful. Uh, cold, Let cold. Let me ride world. around in that nine foot U haul van. <laughs> Let me ride around on this Zoom call <laughs> doing podcast <laughs> with Mason M. Uh, cold, cold world. Uh, again, one of those ones that I think is hard to talk about. You just kind of what you just have to hear. But he talks about how cold the world can be in such a warm and inviting and sort of vibrant way, but still is able to communicate the duality of the world uh, through his voice and songwriting. Amazing. The way you smile. Again, just this really beautiful love song. Rainbows and, Rainbows and Ridges. Just sort of this makes you feel like you're floating. Faded Love and Memories. It makes you feel like you're going back in a memory. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. If I Could Only Fly. Just like, God damn, if we could just be together, if we could just be next to each other. If I could just fly, there would be no more loneliness, but just the inescapability of human separation and human alienation. It's beautiful. This is yeah. a guy, this is to me, the this music more than any other music I've heard in my entire life makes it feel what it's like to be traveling and what it means to be like in motion and what it means to be going somewhere early in the morning or late at night. It's just that you're by yourself, that loneliness it's 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 inescapable in a way, but it is it's beautiful. There's a beauty to that, and I just fucking love this album. This, this I just feel sad that I wasn't able to see this guy perform because I think you're right, Mason. He would have been like I just feel like I just would have it would have been just so amazing to see him live. You know, I'm like sure it would have been. Yeah. Have well, the nice thing is about that that we have you know we do have that live album um, to kind of get the impression of what it must have been to see him live. Um, but it can't compare it to the genuine article. And it is, it, again, it is unfortunate that, um, he was taken, taken away from us. I do like on the live at the Austin outhouse, his version of slow boat to China is called new slow boat to China. Damn dude. No, yeah. Kind of skirt dude, around the, 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 the fake book copyright. I don't know who, who wrote that song initially, but, uh, skirt around the copyright there. Uh, Yeah. Anything else? Or should we do fast facts? Give me some fast facts and free my soul. I want to hear some fast facts about Blaze Foe, E, and Drift Away. Okay, you're uh, you're going to take a time out now. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> David Fuller, <laughs> Michael David Fuller, better known by his stage name Blaze Foley, was an American country music singer, songwriter, poet, and artist active in Austin, Texas during his life. He was born in Malvern, Arkansas, on December 18, 1949. Growing up in San Antonio, Texas, he performed in a gospel band called The Singer, singing Fuller family with his mother, brother, and sisters. As a child, he contracted, contacted polio. As a consequence, one of his legs was shorter than the other, causing him to drag his foot while walking. I mean, if that doesn't just tell you just how difficult, like, 
life is, you know, just yeah. right off the bat for this guy and how much just struggle and heartache there is right off the bat. That's how you, I mean, damn, yeah. dude, fuck. That's crazy. And him, and as a guy who just didn't really have a place as sort of this guy who was sort of a transient guy, he had to probably get around by bus and foot a lot, so he's probably on that damn foot all mm-hmm. the time writing these songs in his head. I mean, fuck. It's crazy. Uh, in the spring of 1975, he was living in a small artist community just outside of Whitesburg, Georgia, where he met Sybil Rosen. Rosen and Foley were in a relationship and decided to leave the community together to support his music. He went on the road and performed in Atlanta, Chicago, uh-huh, Houston, and finally Austin, Texas. Together, they finally ended up in Austin. Foley tried to get into songwriting, but after the move, he experienced a lot of career pressure. He started drinking more and more at the bar scene and had a complicated relationship with Rosen, which eventually ended. He was close friends, like you said, Mason, with Towns Van Zant, and was greatly influenced by Towns. Foley's stage name was an inspiration of his admiration for the musician Red Foley and the stripper and burlesque performer Blaze Star. Mm. Mason, what's your sh- what would be your stripper name, which I believe is the name of your pet and the street you grew up on? You know, it's really funny. I think that given both of those, uh, that kind of... Um, that calculus you have to do, it would actually end up being uh, Noah Marger, which is fucking <laughs> weird. Yeah, I don't know. That is so interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> mine would be Ted Lasso, actually, believe it or not. Mine would be mine would be Ted Lasso on, on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, the master tapes for his first studio <laughs> album were confiscated by the DEA when the executive producer was caught in a drug bust. Another studio album disappeared when the master copies were stolen with his belongings from a station wagon that Foley had been given and lived in. A third studio album, Wanted More Dead, Wanted More Dead Than Alive, was thought to have disappeared until many years after Blaze died. A friend who was cleaning out his car discovered what sounded like the Bee Creek recording sessions on which another musician had performed. This was Foley's last studio album, and he was scheduled to tour in the UK with Towns Van Zant to support the album. When Foley died, his, his attorney immediately nullified the recording contract, and the master tapes subsequently disappears, quote-unquote, reportedly lost in a flood. Just fucking crazy how just yeah. everything worked against this guy in order for his music to be fucking heard, so it's kind of a miracle it exists in the first place. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Uh, on February 1st, 1989, Foley was shot in the Bolden Creek neighborhood of Austin, Texas, uh, excuse me, he was at his house in the Bolden Creek neighborhood of Austin, Texas when he was shot in the chest and killed by Carrie January. It's a really stupid fucking name. I kind of like The son of Foley's... Okay. I think it sucks. <laughs> I'm the son of Foley's friend, Concho January. Foley had confronted Carrie January, accusing him of stealing his father's veteran pension and welfare checks. Carrie January was acquitted of first-degree murder by the reason of self-defense. He and his father presented completely different versions of the shooting at trial. Concho January, who has since died, liked to drink and proved to be an unreliable witness, even though he tried to testify against his son. At his funeral, Foley's casket was coated with duct tape by his friends. Towns Van Zant told a story where he and musicians went to Foley's grave to dig up his body because they wanted to pawn the ticket that Foley had for Towns's guitar. No fucking respect for Blaze even after the damn funeral. Uh, in January 2018, Blaze, a biographical drama directed by Ethan Hawke, prefer- premiered at Sundance. The screenplay was adapted by Hawke from the novel Living in the Woods in a Tree, Remembering Blaze by Sybil Rosen. The film stars musician Ben Dickey as Foley and Alia Shawcott as Sybil Rosen and Charlie Sexton as Towns Van Zant. 
Last but not least, Sitting by the Road captures the earliest known recordings by Blaze recorded on a reel-to-reel in the late 70s and show the raw talent and straight genuine songwriting. The 12 songs, including Clay Pigeons and If I Could Only Fly, later to be covered by Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard, showcase Foley's sound between classic American country and modern folk, along with his cunning political and both punchy emotional tones. Today Foley is not today Foley is admired not only by leading American folk musicians like Nelson Haggard or Prine, but also independent artists like Kings of Leon singer Caleb Followell. The latter, in an interview with the LA Times in 2010, stated that Blaze Foley's songs were his most important musical inspiration. That is it. Mason, who, what, or which is your Mercedes Valuable player, and do you recommend this stupid album? Uh Okay. Uh sorry, I had a little uh, mishap with my headphones here, but I think we're back. Um, my Mercedes Valuable player is, has been, and always will be the song Clay Pigeons for the reasons that I outlined earlier. It's one of the best songs I think ever written about loneliness and feels like a great big hug. It's on my short list of like maybe 100 or so favorite songs. And I, uh, since it has entered my life, I kind of can't imagine uh, what it would be like without it. Uh, I give this album a full recommend. And I yes. think that y'all should go and check it out. Noe, what is, is your, what is, where are you at with this one? <laughs> oh, Mason, let me tell you where I'm at with this one. Let me tell you where I'm at right now. Uh, for now, it could change so easily, but for now, if I could only fly, uh, co-Mercedes Valuable Player, if I could only fly. And then just the fact that this album is so lo-fi the sound of this album is so authentic and so genuine and so bare bones and it adds so much flavor and texture to all the songs even songs we didn't mention i mean election day i didn't mention and that's a great little song you know just trying to get by by election day just trying to make it into this world through election day uh sitting by the road the titular song even that just has this great little like bum 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 bum, bum, like little just like beat to it just that lo-fi production quality adds so much flavor and texture so those are my co-mercedes valuable players this gets a full recommend stop the podcast well listen to the rest of the podcast then stop the podcast go listen to this album great shit and that's it mason's giving me the uh Go fuck yourself <laughs> signal right now over Zoom. Just two middle fingers. He's showing me his tiny little asshole. And I'm going, mm, 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 yummy. Yeah. I'm, I, a, a third hand has come out, and it is giving you the finger and also fingering my tiny little asshole. What is going on here, everybody? <laughs> What's going on here, What's up everybody? With What's up with fingering what? my tiny little asshole? <laughs> George! 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 Are you not allowed to do the tiny little asshole figuring, George? That's my thing, George! And Jerry! <laughs> Jerry, you gotta get over here and figure my tiny little asshole, Jerry! Elaine comes in. What's the... Fr- Why are you guys talking about... Th- she sounds exactly like Jerry for some reason. Why are you guys talking about the tiny little asshole? We gotta get to Mr. Pitt's house and finger date- him! I was on a date with Putty, and he asked me to finger his little asshole. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Boom, Mason! Yes. We're, Hello. We're kind of silly. We are kind of silly. And you know what? It's good that we ha- we're getting this energy out, because... Oh, baby, do we have a movie to talk about today? <laughs> I wish we did not have this movie to talk about okay, today. So, But we do. Here's what I will say. So 
I have a little bit of decision anxiety, audience, pulling back the production yeah. curtain, pulling back the emotional curtain a little bit here, with choosing Creek. the movies, particularly the movies each week. Albums are generally not a difficult thing for me to find something to bring on the show. Uh, I, I could, you know, when it comes to the movies that I want to discuss, I, I get a little bit of uh, decision anxiety. And to ease that, uh, to e- for, for my sake, I have come up with a new strategy where I will offer Noah a couple of different films each week now, and I will basically leave the decision up to him. Uh, it helps me out. It helps guide me. It kind of can help me, um, you know, it just it just helps me personally out there. And today's film is a movie that was uh, on my list for a little bit in my Criterion watch list. Also, as it happens in my um, library uh, hold queue, so I got the Criterion DVD from the library. Um, and um, all to say, Noah technically picked this movie this week. Even though it was on my personal list, it was a fifth of the choices that I offered. Noah picked the movie this week. And that movie... Tech- Technically, I did, but I don't really want to take responsibility for that. So I'm going to say Too this bad. is a Mason choice. This is, uh, this is, we're going to just call it a Mason's choice. So this, folks, is a 1969 film by Italian director Marco Ferreri, known as Dillinger is Dead. Snap, 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 snap. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is sort of Mason pulling the Joker's trick of a lifetime. Uh, usually he picks uh, the movie that I don't want to watch. This time I picked the movie for Mason that uh, I didn't end up wanting to watch. Um, but what is your fu- what? I guess why does why do you even know about this movie in the first place? Because the reason I picked it is because I had even never even heard of it. I was trying to think about that. It was. It might have been just something as simple as I thought the title was interesting and the general premise was cool. But I also kind of feel like maybe. And I don't know if this is actually true because it's not on it, it wasn't logged on Letterboxd, but I kind of feel like this was a, a Chris, Chris T put this on my radar or on the radar for the show. But I don't know. It, or it could have been somebody else. I could have just seen it around. But I thought the title Dillinger is Dead is cool. And it just sort of a kind of late 60s, like um, sort of social, political something or other, like just going off of the um, description that that you get on the tin with the thing generally seemed like something that I would be curious in watching. And I put it on the list this week because it was, on, like I said, on my Criterion channel watch list. I forgot that I put it on my library hold queue until I went to pick up some stuff the other day or a couple days ago. And there was the DVD. Um, so it ended up working out all right for for me personally. Um, and that's it. But you said you had no actual idea what this was before. I gave you the five and then... You 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 thought your little head about it, and you chose this one. So how'd that work? Yeah, that I, doesn't, uh, doesn't seem like it worked out too well for you in the end here. N- no, it was fucking garbage. Fucking pick. I think that the uh, I'm trying. I'm not gonna say what the other five were, but I do want to pull them up just for my own reference. Where the fuck is that? Did you text that to me? I did. It was. A, I think I sent you a screenshot of it instead of. Uh, Instead of uh, texting you like in the text, I can resend it <laughs> Chica- to you. Chicago Bucket List by Truly Eli, Cloud Gate, Chicago River Walk, Lincoln Park Zoo, Buckingham Fountain, Chicago. Oh fuck, I gotta go back. 
Chicago Cultural Center, Sky Deck Willis Tower, Navy Pier, Lincoln Park Conservatory. I challenge Noah Marger. You sent that to me. Dillinger is dead. That was the last thing. You, <laughs> you could have chosen the Chicago. You should have chosen the Bean, and I would have just had to go to the Bean and send you a picture of me fingering my little it. asshole at the Bean. <laughs> Yeah, I would have said, send me five pictures, different angles. I'm going to put them up on the Instagram. We're going to have people vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one they want Which one they want to use in your court case to send you to fucking jail with. Um, I'm looking at the list here. Not going to spoil what they are. One of them I had seen before, uh, and I really like that movie. Uh, and I actually think it might even be on my personal list, actually, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Uh, two of them I hadn't seen but had heard of. And then two of them I... I think, well, one of them I had never heard of just straight up. It was a brand new title to me. The other one I had only heard of, like, in the abstract. I didn't really know sure. anything about it. I just knew that it was a movie. Mm-hmm. And I, too, was so stricken uh, by the title, Dillinger is Dead, that I had to look into what the hell that was. Uh, so I did. And I, it was interesting enough sounding that I was like, yeah, if I'm going to watch this, it should be for the show. You know, like, let's take that opportunity to fucking watch this, see what this is. Because very few people that I follow on Letterboxd, like maybe 1% or 2% of people, have like even acknowledged that this film exists, whether by marking it as watch list material or having seen it altogether. I mm-hmm. feel like this is a very deep art house cut, even yeah. for like people who are like into art house and into foreign film, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... I was like, you know, let's go for it, I guess. I was feeling adventurous. This is the same thing that happened when we watched The Village uh, on the pod. And I really just really just screwed myself over on this one. This did not really do it for me, really, to be honest with you at all. I, you know what? Um, I think from maybe the first 15 seconds of this movie, I knew you weren't going to like it. <laughs> it's, it's just not... I just don't find it interesting, ultimately. Like, I just am not here for here for it in the style in which that they're going about it. I don't find it interesting, ultimately. I, yeah, it, it worked out, like, kind of, so watching, I watched this earlier today, um, and I watched it earlier today, and I kind of preceded my viewing um, almost with like a an accidental like kind of double feature with an episode of Mad Men. This I, the episode I watched wouldn't have been the one that you know it said oh let's do an episode of Mad Men and then watch Dillinger instead. But they kind of ended like I think that had I watched this on my own volition, number one I would have known ahead of time that this wouldn't have been your own, this wouldn't have been a Noah movie and I would not have subjected you personally to it. But I. Um, watch this movie. It's 95 minutes. Uh, so I watched it earlier this afternoon and then I kind of took a little break, walked around my neighborhood a little bit and I gave it a little time to digest. And, uh, I like it. Um, why are you afraid to say that? Huh? I'm not afraid to say it. I like this movie. I really do. I, the, the farther away that I am from it and the more that I just kind of replay the whole thing in my mind and just like kind of try to take it as like deal with the, the, the smaller elements as part of this whole, the more I can kind of see where things are connecting and what's happening here. 
Um, and this is absolutely not a movie for general audiences. Um, this is not a movie that I recommend to say, I guess my mom or somebody, but it's, it's interesting to watch if just the themes of like kind of late sixties and sort of postmodern and particularly like masculine alienation themes that like pop up in something like say for example mad men really interest you um and through a more kind of um like through i i guess a more almost disaffected sort of lens you know this is a, a movie that deals with um alienation and ennui and like kind of uh uh, uh just just men not living up to uh either images that they have for like just just the inability to live up to a perceived masculine and ideal i guess or um just how the 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 modern world i guess uh uh removes this is a real uh See, I mean, it's, about, it's complicated. It's fucking complex. Yeah, it's, it's a complex movie, you know, and that's what I like about it. I like movies that are complex and give you a lot of things to chew on. You know, it's and kind of from the jump. You know, like I, I, I when there's just that um, that speech that so this this is a movie that has like maybe for the bulk of it three characters, um, and in the beginning there's like a scientist that kind of just lays out. Uh, to our main character who's unnamed in the in the movie um, like what it's going to be about and if you can like listen to that speech or like you know if you're not an Italian Italian speaker just like read the subtitles and see what it's talking about that's going to be like the kind of I guess key that unlocks this thing for you and how you should be watching this movie and I knew that once that speech was happening I'm like okay this is not going to be like an easy entertainment thing this is something that I'm just going to have to like sit with and watch and digest and I like movies that are entertaining I like movies that are very plainly about something and movies that are um I guess more quote-unquote easy to watch but it's helpful for me to I get to eat my vegetables sometimes like this you know like just just Give me something about a uh, uh, either an ideology or a way of thinking that um, from this this very specific time and place and just sort of sit on it for a little bit and be like, do I like see myself in this at all? Do I like identify with this? Are these themes that are still resonant uh, like, you know? almost half like half a century later basically um i really um again it's not a quote-unquote enjoyable movie like i would say in my opinion the village is or uh in your opinion click is or in both of our opinions something like fucking uh what did we watch straight story straight story yeah or like straight story yeah 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 like just a more conventional entertainment this is just just sort of it's a it's it's a little more academic i would say it's it's you really kind of have to be a foreign film head i guess to get to to kind of 
be interested in this. But I like those movies. I like watching movies from different times and places. And it got me just to kind of... Um, it's not leaving my mind right now. It's not something that I just kind of felt like I just watched and like, like threw it away. Um, and that's why I say like I liked it. You know, I liked the experience of watching it. I liked it. It gave me something to consider. I liked that it. it just was a little difficult and, and really, um, I don't think it, it's, it keeps you at a distance, but I think it forces you to kind of confront some uncomfortable shit <laughs> in, in real life. But um, that does not sound like it was your experience with this. Uh, well, for anyone who's still listening to the show, uh, uh, this is an extremely allegorical film about violence, the inherent violent nature of man, uh, seemingly almost, even though it's an Italian film, there's a lot of like American allusions, not illusions like magicians or anything, but like allusions to like America, uh, the way that certain colors are used. I think at one point there's even, it's either like a Newsweek or a Time magazine that like appears uh, on screen, uh, which on its own, uh, in terms of like d- talking about that in a movie, that's interesting. I think uh, the way that this movie goes about that, to me, is extremely uh, nails on chalkboardy. You know, there's no real, I don't know. There's no, I don't know. There's like, it's like okay, you can either watch what's happening in this movie because you're interested in it, but there's no like. I feel part on the filmmaker's end to like make you interested almost at a certain level. But I think it's about a guy that's just fundamentally bored with his life. You know, I think it's a movie about a guy that's just bored, you know, and um, it has this night. It it takes the movie takes place all in one night, basically, but has this night where he's trying to stave off his um, boredom, uh, you know, I think that that's kind. Of, I think that that's very intentional, and I think it works to the, the the benefit and to like I guess to the the themes of the movie. You know, like what the filmmaker is going for here. Okay, doesn't work for me. Uh, I think that this is. It's just there's just you just have to be willing, to, I guess, to accept what Mason's talking about, uh, in order for this to work, and it just doesn't work for me. You know, at the end of the day, I think that the. It, it is quite literally like the majority of the film takes place as this guy is just up all night, just trying to consume, you know, things in his life, do things in his life that, you know, fill the boredom hole, so to speak. Um, and I just, you feel that, I guess, as the audience. And maybe some people are like, oh, that's interesting and, you know, whatever. Because uh, I could see people thinking that it's interesting, but for me, it's not. Uh, for me, it doesn't work. Um, and I don't have really a lot to say about it, to be honest with you, like, other than just. It was a good try. Doesn't work for me. Um, it's very cerebral, very allegorical. Even in when I am feeling the itch to watch something foreign or something a little bit maybe more challenging, uh, I stay. I like to steer away from stuff like this. Just generally, like I know you like the movie Certified Copy uh, yeah. by Kiristami. I don't. There's nothing about that one. At least when I watched it the mm-hmm. first time a few years ago, that really got my goat with that one. But I like Kiristami. You know, I like Taste of Cherry. I like Close Up. I like, you know, uh, Where is the Friend's House? Stuff like that. But Certified Copy to me was like, 
I couldn't care less. And I don't not saying that these movies are the same. Certified copy and whatever this was called. Dillinger's uh, dead. Dillinger is dead. Uh, but I do think there is a similar cerebral allegorical thing going on that yeah. just doesn't interest me ultimately um, at the end of the day. I, I, yeah, I I I agree with you that this is a more cerebral movie and this if you're a more cerebral audience member, like if that's something that Again, it's not 100% of what I seek out to watch. I would rather, you know, truthfully, I would rather watch something like just like a Marx Brothers movie, even, you know, or fucking Terminator 2 or something. Like if I'm going to sit down with the intention of watching um, something. But I like this stuff. And particularly what I really appreciated about Dillinger is Dead is that it seems very concerned with how um, images are consumed. uh, it's a very, I guess, modern. Uh, it has very modern, like sort of modern in the in the in the artistic sort of time frame sense. Like you know, from, I think the modern era was like from after World War II to maybe the early to mid seventies, if I remember correctly. But in any case, it, it seems very concerned with um, the the consumption, like you said, the consumption of images and the consumptions of um, I guess just archetypes kind of you know like with with John Dellinger um because you know the plot as loose as you could describe it is that like this gas ma- this industrial designer who makes like gas masks happens upon a like uh Dillin- like a gun that he believes to do have belonged to John Dellinger like just in his pantry doesn't don't know how he, it gets there it just happens upon there but it kind of starts up this um you know, it's just so interesting to me that, like, John Dillinger is just the sort of, like, figure that um, hasn't gone away either in American memory or, even, I guess, even in international memory, you know. Uh, it's about, like, the, the mystique of that and, you know, how he was this, you know, charismatic um, bank robber kind of Robin Hood figure and things like that. And here's this guy who's making these, like, um, gas masks and is living in this like nice apartment and is he like you know cooks nice meals for himself or or whatever, but he's um doesn't do anything really um exciting with his life and it just kind of leads up to this one uh uh, uh sort of inevitable you know moment of violence um that I I guess to you. Know, I guess to me, like, when that happened, I was just kind of like, and then everything that happened afterwards, it be, it was this, like, sort of mordantly, almost, like, satirical kind of look on, I guess, like, 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 liberation, you know, or, like, sort of bourgeois liberation, where, like, this guy has everything that he could want, you know, nice clothes, a nice house, all this nice furniture, all this nice art, and he does this, like, performs this very, very violent act, and it releases him almost. Um, and there's something that's like in the sort of like bourgeois uh, mentality, the sort of like upper middle class mentality where there's like it's money can't buy you happiness kind of thing. And the only way you can get release is by performing this like terrible, this like sort of terrible homicide, like cheating on your wife and then performing this like terrible or like almost cheating on your wife with your maid and then performing this terrible act of homicide. And I don't know, like, it's, 
again, it, it's 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 very cerebral. It's a it's a thinker kind of movie. Um, and I honestly don't know if I have too much to say for it other than that. But it's like I like that. That's something that's attractive to me in a movie is when I'm just sitting down, and yeah, I'm kind of in my head and and watching this thing during this movie, and then it's over. And then I'm still in still in my head, and I'm still like just kind of sift like I said at the top, just sifting through everything here, and I, I'm just trying to find meaning and just trying to um, apply it to to contemporary to the modern day. I don't know. I I thought it was a pretty worthwhile experience. I thought it was it's 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 interesting, sort of like contemporary with like go dart and stuff. So it is a very sort of film schooly kind of film um, nerd, I guess, sort of film at the end of the day and you know i can't fault it if that's not what you're interested in <laughs> can't fault you if you don't really you know if it didn't strike you on this one but i don't know it gave me a lot to consider and i the the, the farther i'm away from it from from seeing it this afternoon the more i like it that's all i gotta say yeah i can i can appreciate that there are people out there who would think maybe that this is a worthwhile viewing experience like i can appreciate that but I also think that there are like deep cut art house things that achieve, you know, their own thing, you know, and they're they're doing their, they're doing their own thing. Um, not to say that every movie has to be like this or not like this, but this is just going to be one of those that you're either I'm down for what this is doing or I'm not, and you're going to know pretty much immediately. Uh, and if you're not into it. You know, within the net, the first fifteen ish minutes, this probably isn't for you. But if you are sort of wrapped by what it's doing, you'll be in, you'll you'll have a nice ninety minutes, ninety five minutes to yourself with it. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about it. I, I'm very disinterested in this 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 film. Uh, should we just move on at this point? I feel like I we guess, man. Yeah, like if you don't got much to say about it, I don't want to force the subject. <laughs> Uh, Dillinger is Dead is a 1969 Italian drama directed by Marco Ferreri. It stars Michelle Piccoli, Anita Pallenberg, and Annie Girardo. Girardo? I don't 100% know how you're, how, how you're supposed to say that shit. Uh, it follows a bored, alienated man over the course of one night in his home. The title comes from a newspaper headline featured in the film, which proclaims the death of the real-life American gangster John Dillinger. The movie proved to be controversial on its initial release for its subject matter and violence, but is now regarded as Ferrari's masterpiece. It was acclaimed by the influential French film magazine Cahier du Cinéma, uh, and afterwards Ferrari lived and worked in Paris for many years because of the success or because of this film. Uh, since the mid-'80s, the film has been screened only very rarely. Uh, the film was entered into the 1969 Cannes Film Festival. Dillinger is Dead was the subject of much controversy because of the violence and depiction uh, of the parvenu set, the parvenu set being, I guess, the upper middle class, the elite people in society. Critics have also called it director Marco Ferreri's masterpiece. Coyote Cinema praised the film, interviewed the director, and translated two of his previous interviews from the Italian magazine Cinema and Film. The acclaim opened the resources of Paris, uh, where he spent the next 15 years living. During that, he made his internationally best-known film, including The Last Women and Bye Bye Monkey, which is what I say every time I jack off. Ferrari and Michelle Piccoli became fast friends and worked together subsequently on films such as The Last Women and Le Grand Bouffe, which I believe is his like, most acclaimed film. I actually remember hearing about that one in film school when we studied Italian world cinema for albeit a week in, films, in film history to 1959 to present day. 
According to critic Viano Maurizio, by the mid-1980s, Reaganomics' effect on the film market resulted in Dillinger's near disappearance, and it has been rarely seen since. It appeared in the 2006 Marco Ferreri retrospective in London. A new print was provided by Criterion for the 2007 Telluride Film Festival, and it premiered on Turner Classic Movies uh, in America on June 26, 2016. Glauco's wife is played by Italian motto and Rolling Stones groupie Anita Pallenberg. At the time, the former girlfriend of painter Mario Schifiano and partner of Keith Richards. Shout out to the Rolling Stones. Uh, Marco Ferreri was an Italian film director, screenwriter, and actor who began his career in the 1950s directing three films in Spain, followed by 24 Italian films before his death in 1997, the year of Noah Marger. Uh, he is considered one of the greatest European cinema provocateurs of all time and had a constant presence in a prestigious festival circuit, including eight films in competition in Cannes and a Golden Bear win at the 1991 Berlin Film Festival. He studied medicine at university but dropped out and became a first uh, and first became a liquor salesman and then briefly a journalist. His first foray into film was filming commercials and as a promoter of a cinema magazine. He worked in Spain from 1957, making his directorial debut. And the London Sunday Times once called him the master of bad taste, which I would Ooh. give to Mason and McGuire. You're the goddamn master of bad right. Taste. Yes, you're <laughs> goddamn right. The nasty man across from me on this Zoom call right now. So uh, I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to the literal Dillinger gun uh, in the movie because I do mm. think that that is the most interesting aspect of the film. Uh, just as a whole, not even trying to be facetious here. I just do think that the gun is sort of an interesting thing. It's like just an interesting thing for him to play with in the film, and it becomes a piece of fixation for him slowly throughout the film. I don't know. That, that to me, I think the literal gun itself is my Mercedes Valuable Player. And Mason, whether you believe me or not, I'm going to give this a light, light conditional recommend. That's because I do think that there is an audience for this. That is awfully <laughs> generous of you, and it makes me so proud that you did that. <laughs> because I do think there is an audience for this, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. is not me. Uh, maybe it's Mason, you know, in part, but uh, this gets a very light conditional recommend uh, mm-hmm. from me. Mason, what do you got? So I think my Mercedes Valuable Player is the... Um, uh, there's a sequence in this movie where our main character is watching um, uh, uh, sort of a, a projection reel of, of film that he assumedly captured it's in, in Spain with his wife. It's him on the beach. And then there's this like little sequence that's just two hands doing this, this little this dance um, on like kind of a mirrored set or something. And I'm watching this movie, and again, it's a very cerebral movie, like we were saying, but that's just the kind of absurd beauty of watching these these hands um, kind of dance around each other and just like kind of, uh, um, I found very affecting and, and kind of moving. So my Mercedes Valuable Player is that little, little two-hand dance. Um, I am going to also give this a conditional recommend, but kind of just touching a regular recommendation but the lightest possible regular recommendation all to say scratch everything i said high conditional recommend i think that just based off of the description uh you were going to know if this is something that you were going to want to give 90 minutes of your time to and if you have 90 minutes to kill and don't want to do it to this that's okay venom let there be carnage is coming out in a couple weeks you could just go watch that (laughs) 
instead. It wouldn't offend me too much. Huh? Do you want to go see that together? Uh, yes, brother, I just signed up for Regal Unlimited, so I can see as many movies as I want, as often as I want, and I am so excited to see Venom Let There Be Carnage, because Venom, I think, was the last movie that I movie-passed before that shit shut down, so I'm very keen to see the sequel for free as well. <laughs> well, your, uh, your mom can take us to the theater if you fly out to California okay. to see the movie with me, but okay. my mom is, my mom can't take us, but she might be able okay. to pick us up. I yeah, I'll talk to my time. mom, and we'll we'll fly out and rent a car, and, and we'll tr- we'll make it happen. Does your mom want to come to the movie with us? I know she sometimes gets, like, bent out of shape. No, well, uh, no, I think she she told me a couple weeks ago that she missed, missed the Galleria and would like to go back, so I can just plant her down at the Galleria for an hour and a half. I don't think that's too much to ask, you know? Well, we're actually, please shop. We're actually going to the, uh, we're going to the Americana at Brand, but we're going to park uh, at the Galleria. Okay. True, 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 true. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Well, that's the show, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Woo-hoo. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, and I guess Facebook if you want. Uh, we haven't said this in such a long time, Mason, and I, to be completely honest with you, forgot to even bring it up. But if you want to send this show an email, you can do that, can't you? Uh, you can, and we actually do have an email in the inbox that I keep meaning to read on the show, and I'm so sorry. I think you know who you are. Uh, Should we just do it now? Yeah, you you do your thing, and I will open up. I will get the show email together here. Uh, give me one quick Which quick is, everybody here. wants to, the number two, get on the list at gmail.com. Is that in the show description? Do you know? uh, I should put it in the show description. That's on me for not doing that. Okay, but it's everybody wants to, the number two, get on the list at gmail.com. That's uh, you can send us an email. You can also DM us uh, on Instagram and Twitter. It's on the list pod on Twitter and it's on underscore the list on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Noah Marger. You can follow me on Instagram at Noah.Marger. You can follow me on Letterboxd, Moa Narger. You can follow me on TikTok, even if that is something you like, even if that's your little heart desires. Uh, Noah Marger on there, I believe. You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things. This week, talking to filmmaker and scholar. He has a master's degree from Cambridge University in film studies, so he, I think that is a fair title to give him. Uh, Keshev Srinivasan, Wonderful guy. We will be talking about singer-songwriter Phil Oaks. Mason, are you familiar with Phil Oaks? That sounds like it will be a good pod. I do like Phil Oaks. Yeah, that's a big Mason guy. And I liked him, too. And so you're definitely going to want to listen to that one. Keshav's a great guy. In Brooklyn right now, yeah, he's down in Sheep's Head Bay. Now he's down in Crown Heights. Now he's down in Bensonhurst. Yeah, he's going to live forever. Now he's up in... He's up in Bed-Stuy. Now he's on Cody Island. If he can make it here, he can make it anywhere. Now he's down in Flushing. Uh, that's enough for that. And he can do YLG at YLG.World on Instagram for sketch comedy and your local government comedy on YouTube. Me and Fed, hopefully we'll have some new stuff soon now that I'm back in L.A. I think that's it for me. Mason, what's our email? Uh, the email actually comes with a question, um, and I'll try to keep my oh. answer to this brief. But um, uh, before we get to the email, 
Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Hot Dog Debicki, Hot Dog the Food Debicki, like Elizabeth Debicki. I'm also on The Barn, a podcast about The Shield. I am also on Letterboxd under my name. I'm also on the streets of Chicago, um, picking up every little bit of trash and shit I can find. So here's our email from Friday, May 21st at 11.20 a.m. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, because I also forgot that we had an email, actually. Uh, But in any case, so this is from a friend of uh, the show and uh, certified cutie Austin Hayes. Uh, shout out to Austin Hayes. Greetings, Noah and Mason. As you are aware, Tuesday, May 18th, marked the 20th year anniversary of the beloved children's movie Shrek, starring Eddie Murphy as the funny talking donkey <laughs> and Mike Myers as the funny talking over ogre. Imagine my surprise when I saw the following article from The Guardian tarnishing the legacy of what I see as one of the crown jewels of 2000s family comedy. He links the article here. Uh, now, after hearing the infamous Click 2006 episode of It's on the List, I genuinely feel <laughs> like I have no idea what to expect when it comes to your opinion on 2000s family comedies you might have grown up with. So my two questions to you are, what do you think of the Shrek series and its legacy, and what are your top three family comedies of the 2000s? Thanks for all the laughs and movies and music suggestions, Austin. I'm actually going to just answer question one because I want to sit with question two and maybe we come back to that next week or next week after. yeah that's yeah. a good point um but i like the movie shrek and i think i've seen all of the shrek movies except for the fourth one shrek forever after i really really i actually funnily enough i think i just picked up shrek on dvd from the pawn shop so i am keen to rewatch yeah. it but i really like those movies a lot growing up i think they were uh really funny to me and i think that they would legitimately like stand the test of time like weird pop culture references and stuff. Um, I like them. That's just my kind of long and short of it right now. Noah, what about you? Is Shrek Forever After? Shrek Forever After is the one where they have kids, right? Uh, yes, yes. And I think, like, okay. Shrek is, like, he meets Rumpelstiltskin or something, and Rumpelstiltskin is like, what if you didn't have kids? And Shrek's like, what if I went to the beach that made you old? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember all that happening. Uh, this Shrek, so Shrek the Third... The king of far, far away has died. Holy shit, that's crazy. That's fucking crazy. Uh, And Fiona uh, and Shrek are to become the king and queen. However, Shrek wants to return to his cozy swamp and live in peace and quiet. So he finds out there is another heir to the throne, and they set off to bring him back to rule the kingdom. Um, I have it. I have it that I've watched Shrek the Third, but I don't like remember anything about Shrek the Third. But I more remember Shrek Forever After, maybe th- watching it thinking that it was the third one. So I'm just going to say that I loved Shrek and Shrek 2. I think Shrek 2 is actually, honestly, yeah. maybe a classic example of a sequel that's better than the original. To I think totally those two are, do, are both like certifiably, I think, great movies and great, great comedies from that era. I agree. I think the first two Shreks are great. I have way too foggy of a memory to talk about Shrek the Third and Shrek Forever After. I remember Shrek Forever After more than I remember Shrek the Third. I may have never even seen Shrek the Third. Shrek the but Third, Shrek Forever After is like kind of shitty from what I remember. That makes sense. Shrek the Third is also pretty mediocre. That one also has Justin Timberlake in it in a character I can't even remember. 
you know, like, and Damn. Shrek the Third is also a movie where, like, from the, like, in my memory, I haven't seen that movie in in over 15 years, probably, but, if, but going off memory, like, in the first couple of seconds, even, of Shrek the Third, you're like, something's wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like when they turned on the podcast. <laughs> they were like, something's wrong here. Absolutely. Is deeply when they turn wrong. on the podcast every week, more like. Um, but I do actually just want to say, because we're talking about it, uh, Mason, I think we should answer the second part of the question next week so that we have some time to ruminate on it and maybe uh, preload it for our guest also so Ooh, they can yes. think about it too. Yes. Because we have a guest next week. Um, but <clears throat> one of the, my first movie-going experiences that I actually have faint memories of is seeing Shrek. In theaters. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, because I was, that movie came out, I believe, in 2001. 2001, yeah, so you would have been here. five years old. Wow. I was four. I would have been four. four years old. Yeah, and I remember going to see it with my dad and my pa, who is my dad's dad. So it was mm. the three of us going to see the movie, and I very distinctly that remember. That is a real boys' movie, though. Like, that's really. <laughs> it is a boys' movie. The swamp, get out of me, swamp, dad. Get out of me, swamp, pa. Uh, and I remember very distinctly in the pre-show, they didn't do like the Maria Menounos BS, but they were doing like, just like things that were like, hey, turn your phone off, yeah. basically, you know, yeah. or like be quiet. Maybe this was pre-everyone having a cell phone. It's hard for me to remember. I was four. But I remember it was just this guy, and he had this very like Eugene Levy, Eugene Levy, like distinctive look to him, and he was like shushing everyone and I remember being very struck by this image and asking my dad what does that say and him being like that's to remind people to turn off their cell phones and to be quiet during the movie and I went okay and I just like remember that I remember asking him that in the movie for some reason because I was like aware that I was in a space that was maybe the first time I was consciously aware that I was in a movie theater maybe for the first time in my life and I'm like oh I'm supposed to be quiet because everyone's enjoying this thing together. It was kind of cool, actually. That is nice. That's a nice memory. Yeah. I think the first movie I ever saw in theaters was Toy Story, actually. Um, Nice. First movie that I have a conscious memory of, though, uh, it might be another thing that I I chew on. But, um, Austin, thank you for sending that email in almost (laughs) five months ago. Uh, And thank you for your patience while we got to it. And, again, the email, if you want to send us a question that we will answer... Hopefully sooner than that is everybody five wants, months after the fact. Yeah, everybody <laughs> wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com. Uh, folks, as we say at the end of the show here, tell someone you love them this week and do something that you love this week. And I am going to play a little special song out here <laughs> and we'll see you all next time. See you guys.
sing a song with Bruce.